Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along. Check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Uh, welcome to another Rahalastapa book club. I'm delighted to be joined again by Rahalastapa friend of the podcast, Jeff Norcott, who's written a book called The British Bloke Decoded from Banter to Man Flu, Everything Finally Explained. Well, I hope so, Jeff. I hope it is. Yeah. Uh, it's, hello, Jeff. How you doing? I'm good. Everything will be fully explained. I should, <laughs> should say from a singular... Uh, non-scientific point of view, basically from a bloke who's got 46 years of field experience yeah. and has, has made lots of little notes along the way. And I just, you know, like everything I do, I feel like my sort of partially informed polemic is, is where Britain needs to be. Yeah. Uh, well, look, I think, it, I think you know, that this is a big subject. It's a subject that I've covered in books. It's a subject that other people, I think, are starting to cover in books. But my main thing, I think, about men is that we need to have more positivity, right? Have all the stuff I've been through, you know, I've been quite negative in some of the things I've done. And I think this... But book- no, but I'm talking about blokes, though. See, that straight away, you've gone... <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be so arrogant, Richard, as to presume that I could talk for all men. But I thought, what, what am I? I'm a bloke. I'm definitely a bloke. I mean, I'll give you an example. I knew I was doing this, and I walked past the calf, uh, and I had the biggest bacon baguette you've ever seen and I'm so dehydrated now and I'm a little bit ill and then I thought I'll rehydrate myself but then I really fancied a Diet Coke so I just you know I would say that if there was one thing about blokes and nutrition you know there there are lots of we've got I think men as a species can a small amount can have really toxic traits whereas blokes as a species can have 
sort of useless traits, but they're yeah, not the I, kind of things that would start a war or crash an economy. Well, that's what I mean, though. But I think even that, even calling us useless, is more positive than what we're usually called. I think you know, I think in the in the media, and you know, understandably, in many many cases, uh, we have quite a bad rap. Whereas I think you're right. I think no, I think ninety five percent of people are fairly decent as far as it goes. And I think when I did Talking Cop uh, 20 years ago and did surveys about men and women's attitude to the penis, what, so I was genuinely surprised that most women liked men. And that's insane, isn't it? Because of course well, we know that most women that, like men. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, not to give my podcast a plug. He's, in my mind, it's called What Most People Think. So I, and I wrote about this in the last book as well, was I felt that, that there was a slipstream to me too, where obviously there was a necessary reckoning for all sorts of men, right? But then after that, it started to become that men was a negative, was a pejorative. Straight white men was a pejorative. And, and, and you're talking about big percentages of the population there. The, the, often exactly the people that you sort of want to win over to the progressive cause. So yeah. it's not a great start to sort of just use that as, as a sort of term uh, as, as an insult in itself and I, I remember there was an advert for Gillette I don't know if you remember it but it was Gillette who who'd given us these hot looking models in hot pants for years and these these blokes with square jaws you know quarterbacks and guys just slashing open like coconuts with a single swipe of a machete and then all of a sudden these pricks pivot round and go you know what guys actually we need to do better and I was like fuck you Gillette like you don't get to just swing around and 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 also like it was such a it was such a screeching handbrake turn they had this I remember in the advert they had these guys flipping burgers at a barbecue like a sort of reverse Stepford Wives thing and and I thought the point is right is mostly st- sort of statistically the people that buy razors and moisturizers and all that sort of stuff will be women you know they they have the purchasing power so you're sort of saying to women that the men you know and love are bad, right? Like, and I, I always thought that that was never going to play out that well. If you say to women, there are bad men around, all women yeah. will understand that. But the moment you get into a, a sort of blanket pejorative, I would have thought well, most women would say, well, you know, my dad was quite calm and funny, you know, and, and, and reasonable, possibly, you know, or, or, or there was that person. So, so I, I think that in a weird way, those, that time was sort of destructive for the progressive cause. It's it sort of the problem for the left generally was then you go, all right, all right, is that the side of politics that thinks I'm a tosser? You know, <laughs> so there was, there was a problem. I think, I think, you know, the Labour Party and the left generally have done a better job of dissociating themselves now. So, so I think that we've had that period, that white hot period where it was a pejorative male was a pejorative now i think it's a good time you know there's, there's your book you know and there's a number of people who are just being a bit more nuanced in in and around this discussion yeah i mean i think what's interesting uh caitlin moran has just brought out a book on, on the same subject and there's a few places where you and caitlin moran agree and touch uh, yeah and i heard about this thing. And, you know, and I think that in itself is interesting. Caitlin's making, you know, trying to you know, think about what about men and, and, and cheerlead a bit for men. You both pick Bob. Why do you say cheerlead, though, Richard? You've got to use a better <laughs> word. Do better. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, to, uh, yeah, She's you're quarterbacking. Right. She's quarterbacking. <laughs> you're right. Um, I would use that for men as well. I would use that phrase for men. That's how progressive. No, you wouldn't. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I probably would. Uh, Bob Mortimer, you both pick out. I mean, I don't know if that's good or bad for men that you pick four men and she picks one or two men, and you both pick the same man as, as an example. Yeah, somebody told me about this. Well, yeah, I mean, I think he sort of epitomises that that calm, the kind of guy that you just feel like you can depend on. I mean, I did. I picked five heroes of bloke them in yeah. the book and. 
and you know I had Peter Crouch, I had Adrian Childs, who I would think if you want if you want your absolute epitome of the British bloke, it would be Adrian Childs, the kind of guy you just sit down and you go in favorite motorway service station, and then there's two hours of chat straight away. <laughs> favorite favorite type of Allen key, you know. And and yeah. maybe I don't know if that's a sort of dying breed of men. Certainly the the tour that I've been on, when I asked a question about favourite motorway service station, it literally got a more engaged reaction than any of the politics that I've discussed for several years. <laughs> it's a good question, and uh, yeah, it's Toddington. Is it Toddington? No, the the one with um oh no the uh, the one that you mentioned in the book with all it's a bit different. That's up in the T-Bay. Up in the yeah, T-Bay, That's it. Yeah, T-Bay. but that's the hipster's choice, isn't it? I, know, I mean, it's just. Correct. But it's not. It's not a service station. Service station's got to be a bit depressing. It's got to be clinical. It's got to be sort of. It's got to have a bridge from one side of the carriageway to the other. Which is when you're a kid, that is a magical bridge. It and is. you stand when on it, and you. When you, you're an adult, no. And also, they're all, I mean, they're all from the seventies as well. So you sort of walk across them, thinking, "Am I going to get across?" They're all stuck together with bits of sellotape. It looks half of them. It's <laughs> probably a fair bit of rack that crumbly concrete going on going on there. I mean, you say they're all from the seventies. Maybe that is my problem: is that I probably am. There's a bit of me that is from the seventies, like very yeah. much so. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it is it's 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 interesting because obviously, like. There's a part of me that thinks, oh, you know, being a man is a spectrum and, you know, you and I are, have similarities but are quite different and it's it's like we're like breeds of dog rather than a single mm. thing. And, you know, there's some generalisations, obviously, that you're, you're making, but you kind of go, well, a lot of these generalisations, you know, are generally <laughs> true. There's a reason <laughs> that generalisations, because as much as I want to go, oh, no, come on, Jeff, you know, men can cook and men can do this and... I mean, you are you are fairly. I think what's interesting is is within this book, accidentally on, or on purpose, you reveal quite a few things where you differ from your own view of what a man should be. You're very you admit yeah. you sort of cry. You admit you watch Dirty Dancing. You admit I cry you, alone though. I I do yeah. cry alone. I just make okay. that clear. That's all right. I think that's the way forward. Because everyone says, "Oh, men should cry in public." I go, but the problem is, is that we look awful when we do it. <laughs> Because we're we're not match fit, so let's compromise and do it in a locked room, preferably soundproofed. Because I think the thing is, it's like you know, like when you observe a lion, like in the wild, it's no longer in the wild. So yeah. a man crying whilst someone's looking at him, he's not crying in his truest way. I like to get get ugly with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like my my wife saw me cry once. She nearly she nearly turned the hose on me because I was it was an awful. It was an awful sight. So so I often fall between that thing of, you know, I, I accept the progressive objective always. You know, men should be able to cry. I say, absolutely. But then I focus on the word should. But what's the reality, <laughs> right? And, 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 and can we find, you know, can we find another way? And, and you're right, you know, I mean, you probably, the way that I'm a father as well is that I make yeah. a point in the book about in that show, Modern Family, I wanted to be Jay, you know, the old school American sipping his whiskey. But I'm definitely Phil. I'm definitely Phil Dunphy over hugging oversharing, you know, emotional wreck at times. But I think that's, you know, I think whilst things may be generally true, we and you even say this, if someone's different in some way or someone, if it's acknowledged, it still makes them part of the of the group. It's the, the crying thing's very, you know, it's, it's very true as well. And the times that I've, you know, the, the way you describe that when, when men, when you finally break down and cry, the last time I cried was when I, um, I got my, uh, can- I basically got a phone call saying I probably had cancer 
but my son was laughing. You know, I was on my own, but my son was, I could hear him laughing in the next room. He was two years old. And all I just thought was, oh, fuck, my son's, I'm never, you know, I'm not going to see my son mm. grow up. And it was like that down, you know, it's like that that prim- primitive sort of mm. downpour where you couldn't control it. And you talk about that in the book, about that's when the, the ugliness of it, that when, when a man cries, maybe because there's a lot of pent up <laughs> crying that yeah. you haven't done, but it, it really fucking comes out like a torrent, like an uncontrollable force rather than something yeah, that's well, my, my- the ducks. My mum, my you know, when, I remember when she cried, she could sort of continue to fold clothes, you know, like she had disability, which is a healthier thing, little and often, right, which is a healthier way of doing it. But one of the points of the book is about just accepting there's obviously things that have been persistent about the male psyche for a while. So you go, All right, that, that is, it seems to be how it is. There is something, one, I mean, boy, little boys cry loads, by the way. That's one point that I make is that there is a strange flip where certainly this generation of little boys, it's crying all the time you know and and girls seem like way more resilient but i don't know if there's just a point where you just go right okay need to suck up some shit for a while i don't know if it coincides with like your first mortgage or i don't know when it happens but and then and then it sort of gets squirreled away so it's going all right what's i'm always a pragmatist like what what's realistic is it realistic to suddenly say cry regularly in front of of your wife probably for a lot of blokes especially working class blokes maybe not certainly men around my generation but to not cry at all is that is unhealthy so so it's just the fact that i'm just on stage or in the book just saying you know that i cry hopefully there's there's a message in there you know even if i'm taking the piss and caveating it very uh, sort of healthily I think as well, if you do it, if a man does it too much in front of his wife, it loses the power. It's a very powerful thing to do in front of your wife. If you're losing an argument and you've, and and everything's gone wrong and you fall apart and you start crying, that's, that's when you win the argument because your wife goes, Oh my God, I'm so, and you actually, you can. Yeah. But meanwhile, meanwhile, she's, well, meanwhile, (laughs) she's thinking we probably need to get a bigger dog for the house. And and you know you know but you I think you're absolutely right like scarcity and and value I think there's a premium on male crime because of the scarcity so a good example is Novak Djokovic right loses at Wimbledon uh, and he talk and he talked this beautiful moment where he just mentioned that his son was there and 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 he broke and I thought well there he is an elite athlete who's earned that moment but I did think like if he'd done that after losing in the semi final like the diphthong diff, we'd have gone like, okay mate maybe don't play tennis. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, uh, you, you, you cover a little bit. I, I, I like Catelyn Moran's book. You mentioned me. I get mentioned in both books, which I'm very pleased about. So you talk about um, you have a book. You have a chapter about testicles, and you mention how I told you that uh, I, I, even though I'd do, just done a campaign, well, I'd done a campaign for Movember. I'd just done Movember, but I still wasn't checking my own testicles, even though I yeah. turned out to have testicular cancer at that at that. And time. then you told me that, and that even as you were telling me that, I was real. And even as we're recounting both these stories now, I still doubt that I'm going to go away and check my testicles. So, so I don't know why that is. It is. It's a weird thing, and I don't. And, but partly out of fear now, I, I've got very bad at checking them. I do every now and again. I think I'll, I'll have to go because I then found a, a lump on the remaining one, which turned out to be nothing. But it's that was a fucking scary moment when I was checking and mm. thought, fuck. So, you know, it's sort of weird. That's still a weird thing. It still took me a little while to go in, even when I suspected something was wrong. You talk about this, but, you know, that, and not putting on sun cream and that sort of thing, which, again, I, I'm very much guilty of the wife's putting sun cream on everyone. And I'm going, no, nah, I don't need it. 
uh, unless I'm literally on, literally on a, you know, if, in, if I'm in England, if I'm on a beach, I'll do it. But if I'm, yeah. in, you know, in, in the Mediterranean, but I, I just like don't even think of doing anything. And it's, it is a, it is a weird part of. I mean, it is this bravado, isn't it? Of, of not, you know, that that would be somehow showing weakness, even though it obviously is. It's well, part of the thing of the, the book is to have a more sympathetic reading. So I think you're right that bravado is in there somewhere. But I also think I wanted to, like, some of these observations I thought, and it, by the way, this isn't like just a series of stand-up-y things. You know, I wanted to dig a bit deeper than how I would in stand-up. Yeah. And I thought, well, the thing about blokes, most of us don't moisturise ourselves before bed, right? We don't do that. We're, on a daily basis, we don't actually make contact with our own bodies much. So on the couple of occasions a year that we're on a beach in a med and we're somehow expected to navigate our lower back and have an even distribution of suntan lotion, it, again, it's a question of, of match fitness. Like I find probably because of my basic bloke mind is that for me putting on oils and stuff, that's sexy time. Yeah. So if you're suddenly doing that to yourself on a beach, are you being a perv? Is it weird? I, I just can't dissociate this stuff. So, what normally happens is I'll get about three days in, I'll have sunstroke and my skin starts to itch a bit. And um, and then I say to my wife, can you, can you put some on me as well? Because she's, she's never said like, no. I mean, I'm not, let's be honest, I'm not the priority, but she's, ne- she's never flatly refused to do it. <laughs> but it's, you know, men are interesting. And I think like the more, the more we can talk about this, and it's a very humorous book. You do make some good points. You make some serious points. But I think it's a book, you you know, it's, it's a book you could take to the toilet to read, Jeff. You know, I think it's still like mm. it's a it's a fun book. Uh, it's you don't have yeah, to sit, I mean, sit at a desk and study it. You can be doing a shit and, and laughing at this. That, that is, I mean, it definitely. I, there's a thing at the moment where I want things to be light-hearted. You know, I, yeah. I mean, I still look in my stand-up show. I still talk about politics, but I'm also I'm also a very normal middle of the road person. So if like everyone else is having cost of living stuff, my sensibilities are usually the same as most people's. I want to have a laugh now more than I have for a while because it has been, I mean, people say it's stressful. We thought at the time when we were arguing about Brexit, oh, this is the worst thing any of us have ever been through. And then suddenly everyone's fucking skinned. You go, no, maybe this is it. Or maybe it was the pandemic. So so that's where I'm at. I mean, I always want to be saying something, but definitely this is supposed to be, you know, a lighthearted, book that kind of teases one or two sort of serious messages you know whether that be about how male friendships sort of sort of deteriorate over time and getting men to go to the doctors but there's also yeah like as you say it's about you know why do men show off so much when they deserve when they decide to cook the evening meal you know why is it <laughs> such a show stuff right i'm gonna cook every daddy's special spag bowl and you know it's not special it's not special you just put basil in it that is not fucking special yeah i do well you know you talk a bit about mums and maybe you know we're made to feel made to feel like that by our parents a little bit i don't know maybe that you know that we have that mm. we have to be applauded for it. Yeah, as a kid you get yeah. applauded and maybe you know I've, I've been very bad at growing up uh and maybe we we don't have to grow up in the and mature in the same way that girls are expected to i don't know so yeah we're still expecting rounds of applause and as you say expecting a medal for for doing stuff. Well, yeah. So, I mean, what I'm saying there, effectively, is it's women's fault. I mean, I am squarely blaming women. I'm saying it's the way that mums raise their sons. But but I'm trying to pick apart and go, right, so anyone that's had, you know, a boy or a girl will, will know that around the age of three, they are not the fucking same species, all right? Girls' command of language is far greater, their social skills, on, on average, right? Yeah. So what happens is, I think, the, you know, the mum will generally be better at nurturing. So she'll just put more resources into the, the, the pathetic thing. She'll go, well, that's 
he's rubbish like he needs way more help and then but then that sort of establishes a pattern of of behavior where the boy gets celebrated for doing relatively sort of minor things and just supported because she's like please learn where to shit and you know and and please learn how to feed yourself and all this sort of stuff so every time he does that and then that potentially i think is is something we we carry into later life so I, i don't know I don't know how avoidable that is because, as you will know, you know, once you get to a generation where you'll have a lot of female friends who are very progressive feminists and all that sort of stuff, and then they have a boy and a girl, and they go, oh, shit, like, when I look into this creature's eyes and see the chaos within and the lack of words, you know, it's just my belief that I think that there's a hell of a lot more innate than maybe we, we, we like to believe. Well, yeah, but you also make the point, and I think it's an interesting one, like the R generation, you know, th- we are different over generations. Things have changed a lot. But what's interesting about our generation is how useless we are at nearly everything. So, like, you know, our fathers would have had mm. a workbench and would have tried to, even my dad, who was pretty useless, would have attempted to mend things, would have attempted to make yeah. things. I think he met, built me a fort, you know. And my, our generation, I would struggle to, you know, I've I've had a few first tyres as I've been driving and I would very much struggle to fix it well I couldn't have fixed them on my own uh, no, I can't no. I can't do really any DIY at all and we're gonna need to because we're we're gonna we're, we're gonna have to pass it on to our kids anyway because mm. we're gonna approach a time where the world's so fucked that everyone needs to be able to mend things because it's gonna be there's not gonna be the resources to keep on chucking stuff away even if, if we've got some yes yeah, good point no, we, yes. we don't we don't have those skills to pass pass down maybe I, you know I remember saying to my dad when I was a teenager, he was trying to teach me basic stuff. I'd go, when I'm a grown up, I'll just pay someone to come and do it, which is is what has happened. <laughs> yeah, so, you, so like, yeah, never, fuck him, man. You you were right. You won. I but... did win the argument, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure I won the war. I won the battle, but not the war, maybe. But yeah, so th- that's interesting. It's interesting how like pathetic we can be, and how. Um, mm. How, you know, like you talk about manning up, but it, we, if we're going to man up, we shouldn't be so childish. We should be able to do some of those traditional male jobs, you know, as well. Because I don't... Well, one of the things I said as well is like, you know, I have a tendency to think about, you know, I do think that our, our sort of civilised past is such a small fragment of what we've been for a long time. So I do think there are probably echoes of our more primitive existence which play out. But it's, very, it's all too easy to say, well, that's from the hunter-gatherer days. That's from the hunter-gatherer days. And I, you just have to be honest with yourself. And I would not be doing much hunting. I would be rocking up every couple of weeks with a dead rabbit that every, the whole family would have gone well that rabbit was already dead when he found it you know and and, and there would have been a lot of gap there's and, and people always forget that the gathering part was probably the more ongoing thing where women and children in the in the sort of settlements would just find nuts and berries and stuff and and so so I'm, I'm sort of always torn between that thing where i do i do think that that stuff is resonant but i also realized that despite how i might appear i might appear very blokey you know i might be good at diy but but, you know, I'm none of these things. And I think, in, you know, in, in response to your point about manning up, I, I think that one of the good, there is an immaturity issue, but there's, I do think that there is merit in retaining some of what you were interested in as a child, that boyishness, you know, the fact that we still love hobbies. And I think there's a lot of women that may be, certainly in my relationships, it's not as, as strong as jealousy, but it just annoys the fuck out of them that we can just lose ourselves in 
you know, a Star Wars mini series and then spend another two hours on YouTube discussing, you know, Easter eggs and all this stuff. So as is usual with most things, men and women, the discussion is all around like, well, somehow women are this model of humanity that have cracked it. And all men need to do is learn as much in the time available. Whereas actually, I think that it needs to be a more sort of osmosis type thing where you go, actually, like having a ho- hobby and, and, and staying in touch with the stuff you love as a kid is, is just a straight up healthy thing to do. Yeah. And, you know, I think, again, maybe, again, Catelyn and you both talk about this, about which you just mentioned, that as we're getting older, we're sort of l- losing touch with our friends, not talking to our friends. I think this is d- definitely, I, I was talking to Stuart Goldsmith, you know, and if you move, me and him have both moved out of London, but, you know, like for us, my podcasts are now my, the only time I talk to other people, yeah, yeah. really, apart from my family. And so, you know, you do you do sort of drift away from those those sort of strong friendships. You write about stag nights and all that sort of stuff a lot and lads going out together. It's a big part of, like, teen and 20s mm. culture. And then as we as we settle down and as we change, maybe, as, a, as, as we change because... Maybe I'll you you feel in the book that maybe sometimes the wife makes guys change to to, to fit in with her. I can uh, yeah a, a little a little sort of like a new manager coming in at a football club and looks at the squad and just goes well this guy he, he's on trial for something this guy's a wrong and that guy's already in prison you know so, so it's not necessarily always a bad thing sometimes a partner will have that but but I don't think and this is part of where I think manning up is a good thing is you say. Don't just say, say, well, my missus came in, she didn't like me going out. When you scratch beneath the surface, it's very rarely that, isn't it? It's about yeah. impetus and, and not wanting to bother the other lads. And men often don't like fuss. I mean, I've got a WhatsApp group of lads that um, we've been friends like for 25 years. It started off as a group email and it's actually progressed through various medias. And, and WhatsApp is a really good home for it. And I think that that is a great thing. I do sometimes think just like podcasts, like I feel like I'm up with your life, you know, and we all have comics that we feel like we're keeping up with. It's a sort of fake way of keeping up. And so there is that need to create face-to-face moments. But having said that, that we're just we're just arranging our next day out. And it's always at a sporting event. It has to have a distraction. It has yeah. to be something where we're facing something else. So we don't have to like, you know, whereas that thing of like where women meet up for a coffee and they just face each other and their body language is all in tune. That gives me high anxiety, really. Yeah. I, I have to have a distraction. But again, I think that's another bit that's the same as in Catelyn's book is that is the husband coming, the woman comes back and knows all about everything that's going on in the family, and the husband comes back yeah. and go, "What well, you know? How's how's his wife go? Oh, that didn't come up, you know." So that's we we, we don't well, maybe. Well, maybe what I should write a book about how to be how to be a woman you know yeah, like we, we should do yeah. this this sort of cross pollination i mean i'll be honest like in the process of writing the book i did have i did have loads of thoughts about what women are because i you know my comedy i've always done i love i mean i know it's always seen as passe and hack but I, difference between men and women is my favorite subject because it's the one where everyone has skin in the game you know like it's the yeah. most accessible and i am always i'm just fascinated like genuinely fascinated and I, there was a point where I was talking about the book and I was like, what if I just wrote a book about British women and <laughs> no one liked that idea at all? And it's I funny, isn't it? Like it? I very, I want you to do it. I might finance you to write that book and I might publish oh. it myself. Well, I mean, I get, <laughs> I get, I'd get publicity. It would be discussed. I mean, one thing that I've noticed that's interesting with this book is that, you know, my first book, which is about, you know, like how I went over from voting Labour to voting Conservative and stuff. You know, there was an obvious angle which was really media friendly with that. This one, we're definitely getting bits and on telly, but 
I realised that there were certain titles I could have given this, which would have got me on every show, right? If I'd have called this feminism can fucking do one, you know, or, or like the war on the war on men that like, I guarantee you every single, like it would have been a piece of piss get, getting media, you know, interviews. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had a few, but, but I just didn't want to write that sort of book. I didn't want to do a baity sort of title. I wanted something that was, was overtly fun, but, but you, there's certainly maybe people that have followed my comedy for a while that, they're sort of pleasantly surprised by the book, but I think at first it was much harder to engage them because it didn't have that, that kind of culture war type title. Yeah. But you know, I think that's what is necessary. You maybe, you know, you need to take the hit, but I think it is, it is necessary because I think we, the last thing we want with this discussion, I think is to polarize. The problem is it's a polarized Mm. thing that men feel that women are the enemy, which this book is definitely not that, you know, this book is about men and women being together. It's about, you, you'll joke about men, you'll joke about women, but it's not about, you know, women being the enemy. And I think, you know, the meninist thing, the international women's day, men's day thing is, is men who are being oppressed by other men and, and being convinced to blame women about it. And they don't, they don't sort of realize the real enemy, I think. And I think with you, this, you know, this book is, is not as political as that. Um, it's, it's a so, it's social politics, I suppose, but, but it's also not, it's not, you know, my mother-in-law, so she's so fat. It's not my wife's a bitch. It's exactly the opposite of that, I would say. is you know, my wife and my kids are amazing. Here's where I'm flawed. Here's where my mates are flawed. Here's where... Well, yeah, you don't want to... I mean, it's just it's the same with my stand-up, really. I never, like, even when I was at probably what would have been seen as... I was never edgy at all. I don't think I was ever edgy. But, but when I was definitely more that way, I always thought, like, you, you don't want to just engage one side of the risk like the room is it's boring you know or yeah. you certainly want to flip between between um different groups and you know so there's sometimes occasionally at the edinburgh fringe you know in the course of a run i'll get one day where i'll, I'll get the sense that there's a room full of people who agree with me and there's nothing not nothing worse than that it's just way less it's just far less interested whereas you know i'm going when i'm out on tour and there's a really mixed audience like this tour there's people coming up afterwards. There's loads of parents coming with their kids. And I think the thing is, Richard, I've worked out I'm the compromise comic, right? <laughs> so they go, they go, oh, mum, dad, we want to see you, this groovy comic talking about their, their mental health. And they're like, I don't want to fucking sit there with some young person talking about ADHD. And then they go, oh, we want you to go and see this guy from the 90s. And they're like, well, that guy, is, isn't he on trial for something? Um, so... <laughs> And so then, then they go me, and I, I'd probably neither of them like really like me, but I'm the one that they can sort of agree and go, all right, okay, we'll go and see that prick. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Uh, another thing, I, a little bit of crossover with my International Men's Day book, but a different way of looking at it. I, In my book, I wrote about how um, basically 25% of men think that they could or might be able to take a point off Serena Williams at tennis, right? So they're they're deluded mm. enough to think if they're playing Venus or Serena Williams, uh, that she would she that she would continue to serve at them like she would serve at someone in a match. Serena Williams could just serve and you know they think well, they, they she'd make a double fault. She wouldn't make a double fault against uh, against us, Jeff. No, she have, no. She wouldn't have to serve that hard to, to beat us. But you've got a great one, which is that 10% of men uh, think they could beat a chimpanzee in a fight. Yeah, hand-to-hand combat. Hand-to-hand combat, which is just fantastic. It's really fantastic about the delusion uh, of men. It's funny. I mean, this is what yeah. I, I love this about blokes in a way because they'll go, no, no, but you know, no, they didn't say how big the chimpanzee was. You know, they didn't, maybe the chimpanzee was depressed or whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I would say that like a fucking like a badger, like a moderate sized badger with, with nothing to lose. Because the thing about <laughs> animals is they're not they're not thinking. Oh, is this on CCTV? They've got no restraint in their mind. It's just you know, kill or be killed. And and so that to fight with that, you know, that alone is is a much harder thing. Um, to fight against i think you, interestingly though you, you know the serena thing apparently 13 percent of women also also yeah. thought and obviously that's about half but it, <laughs> I, I, was, I was surprised and maybe this is i think a reverse kind of sexism where you sort of think oh i thought better of women than that and go is, is that weird to to expect that right like why why yeah. wouldn't there be some level of delusion among women I mean, it is interesting that I do I do say that in the, in the book that that is roughly right. I think, yeah, that uh, certainly don't or don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy, but I think people, yeah, I mean, there's enough deluded people out there. There's enough people who look at it, and again, I think they are they're they're weighing it up and going, well, she'd make a mistake. She'd, you know, but of course, mm. of course you wouldn't. You, there's actually a film of Serena Williams playing some journalist from a magazine who like three guys take her on at once. And they can't even hit, and she's only messing around. Uh, mm. And they can't even hit the ball. You know, one of them touches the fucking ball at some point and goes, "Yeah," as it flies off behind him. <laughs> well, I just, mean, that is very blokey, isn't it? To, yeah. <laughs> that's so blokey to celebrate celebrate himself for such a modest achievement. I'm the king of, of the rubbishness. I mean, just just on the animal front as well. Is like, what do you think is the so like? Let's forget about beating up chimpanzees because yeah. it's not going to happen. But what is the biggest animal that you think you could beat in a fight? Like, because I, yeah. I'm, because I even, I don't know, man. Like, I'd probably, if there was a chicken that was just really going fucking crazy, and I was, I would probably, I might even submit. Yeah, I, well, some of the bigger animals you feel like, I mean, no cows do kill people, don't they? It'd be hard mm. to knock out a cow, though, wouldn't it? I mean, even a placid cow, you could punch that in the face, and I don't think it would fall over. <laughs> People do push cows over, aren't they? Only when they're asleep. So, given that they're both awake, if you're both awake, yes. I think 
Yeah, no, I've actually confronted. Well, you talk about having a fight with a dog, which is was pretty horrific. I've actually had a, yeah. a, a goat like lower its horns and look like it, it was attacking a fence, and then it turned and saw me and lowered its horns to come for me. I was on a walk yeah. in the Lake District with my then ten-year-old niece, and I put her in front of me. That's how. That's how good I am at fighting animals. I hid behind my fucking niece. <laughs> Does she remember that? <laughs> but I wrote a blog about it. It ended up in, it ended up in one of my shows because that was I then got out of the way, but that was my instinct. <laughs> Would you know that there's isn't there that Netflix thing about Will Ferrell when he's a dad and and like there's some sort of catastrophe and then his first instinct was to catch his phone. That's right. one of my big fears is and there's a moment where you need to protect your family that because I do love my phone so much or love is probably the wrong word need is is, is a worse word there, there is a story that I include in the book and it's a bit of a hero story where I was at I was because there are quite a few clips of where baseballs go into the crowd and um dads or blokes with their girlfriends just turn away and let it hit their kid or their girlfriend and I always thought and I was I was at a football match where while they were warming up and I was thinking my god like what if that and literally as I was thinking that a football got pinged and right. it was coming towards my son and um and I put my forearm up and I deflected it and it got a nice little reaction from the people around me. So I'm basically trying to see if anybody has got footage of that because it's probably the best thing I've ever done. It was the 29th of December, Colchester United versus Wimbledon. If there's some sort of, if there's some sort of, this is 2022, if there's any sort of police CCTV footage, because I don't really think any of my friends believe that it happened. I mean, when you see the video, it will probably be that it's quite clearly going miles away from my kid and I deliberately lean up and just get like a sort of wrist on it somehow. But I was, I was, um, my son looked, he looked pleased because look, the fundamental things that we expect. And he's like, you're my dad. That's what you've got to do. You know, yeah. protect, provide and pr- protect are absolute pillars of blokiness. I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I th- and I do think we still have that. And I think we maybe have that. Maybe we have that more than the previous generation, you know? So I, th- I'd be pleased if that was the case, if if we're better. I mean, obviously, again, this is a very general statement because there are some terrible fathers and mothers in both generations. But it feels like it's it's OK now. You know, I think Limmy was talking about mm. this, that like his dad never said, I love you to him. And he just does nothing but say, I love you to his kids, which I'm exactly the same. I think my dad yeah. probably did say, I love you. I don't remember. But uh, but I just tell I tell my kids way too much that I love them, like all every day, about seven times a day, whatever. I'm just constantly telling them that I love them. Uh, so but I think that's a I think that's a, a good thing. And, you know, and well, I, but have yeah. we de- and I do exactly the same, but I think probably we've devalued the concept of love. So you can't <laughs> you can't really win, really. I mean, whatever we do, they, we're going to fuck them up. Right. So, so at yeah. some point they're going to go. And you'll just see, and you will be so gutted when you hear that go. And he just kept saying it, and I kept saying it. And I was like, <laughs> it's almost like, you know, when you don't truly believe something, that you have to keep saying it to try and make yourself believe it. And then, and, and they'll, they'll be whining just as much as we were. So you, yeah. you got, to, I think you've ultimately got to do just what works for you. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you touch on height, which is a, a subject I'm, I'm interested in. I mean, you're a little taller than I am, but I similarly do the same thing as you, especially when in feet and inches of, of rounding up to, and you know I'm, I'm probably just over five foot six if, if I'm lucky, and I say I'm five foot seven. Uh, but you're five foot eight or nine, are you? Which eight, is five foot eight and a quarter. Yeah, not too bad. So you're but you're you're a good uh, inch or two inches probably taller than I am. Uh, but statistically, but, m- way more likely to be unhappy than you. 
Really? Like a, yeah, yeah. Because apparently, if you're a good few inches lower than the average, you sort of absorb it. You make it part of your persona. You know, you kind of monetize it in a way. But when you're one inch below, you're so close to the promised land of the average. It, it's <laughs> it's just so fucking galling. Well, Buxton still seems to. I, I don't have an issue with it anymore. I think when you're when you're young and when you're dating, and you know, and it's it's one of those things on dating sites, isn't it, that women are allowed to put six yeah. foot or above and that's perfectly okay they're allowed to just go nope not even going to yeah. consider anyone under six foot and it's okay and fair enough because men will certainly do something similar <laughs> to, well, they, well they won't admit it will they, they, they won't, won't put they nothing won't, they, they won't put it in the thing <laughs> yeah they won't put no nothing lower than the c cup but we all know how some yeah. folks operate yeah but uh but it is you know it is it, that is a sort of galling thing to to Come to terms with, but then I think you have to come to terms with it. You know, I think I think if I could change anything about myself, I would just if I if my legs were just like two or three inches longer, I wouldn't even change anything else. Just make my legs a bit longer. I've got short little legs. Jeans would fit that you pick up off the shelf, you know. And mm. uh, and you, I think you just get those little advantages. I think as a as a man who's tall, I think you sort of do get a bit more respect from other men. Well, but the but the thing is, is I think if you're going to increase your height, you have to say six foot because six foot is such a benchmark figure, despite being yeah. a good three inches off the average. But actually, like you know, as I mentioned in the book, when you actually talk about the differentials, like the optics of height aren't quite as stark as the reality isn't quite as as stark as the optics suggest. So Richard Osman is only 25% taller than Sandy Togsvig. And that is not what you would think. You would just no. say instinctively, he's twice the height of her. I am only 14% shorter than the average NBA player. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, 14, I'm a lot more than 14% less sexy than them. You know, so <laughs> they, so it's, it's strange that these, these little things, I mean, it's the same with penis size to a point as well. Like relatively small differences yeah. uh, can, can have a huge impact on people's self-esteem. Yeah, well, again, you know, this is what Talking Cock was was largely about, or a lot about, but about, you know, men have a lot of hang-ups in all those areas about erections, about, you know, all, all, sort, about all sorts of things. There's, th- there's two or three things that m- men worry about more than anything, and about a third of men are really worried about them. And, and I think, as you say in the book, like, these things actually, you know, hardly anyone falls out of the, uh, you know, outside of that median kind of range mm. that most penises are and it does and it actually largely does not matter if you if you do but uh yeah it's it's um it's interesting how much men i think because of porn but also just because you know you don't get a good look at your own if you see other people's from a distance they might look they might look bigger it could be a show and not a grower and it you know it doesn't it's easy for me to say i've got a really big cock so it's easy for me to say it doesn't yeah. matter and i understand jeff that you know you're your average you have in the book of 5.1, I think, is a little low. I think it's a bit higher than that, the average. Well, that, that's not my average. 5.1 5. <laughs> is the average. I mean, this I is the worst thing. You're, is... talk, you're talking up 5.1 as if that's average. I don't think that's average. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, it's, but I also mentioned that it's, it's weird that people don't talk about girth, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not not for any personal reasons, but I just think it's so <laughs> it's so it's so obviously um, a factor. But again, that's probably the male psyche where you just think, biggest so you just think right like from one end to the you know it's sort of yeah you know the Burj Khalifa is really tall but the, the, the very tip of it is fucking meaningless you know so what's it like <laughs> oh my god I was gonna say what's it like at the base that's what I want to know um and, but but yeah it, 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 look boys are gonna tend towards thinking these things are important because they look at big you know 
dumpster trucks and, you know, like big planes. And, you know, I wasn't into this stuff. So I am stereotyping. I wasn't into this stuff. But immediately my son, you know, once he hit two or three, he just wanted to watch big planes taking off big ships, all of this stuff. So, so the idea that, you know, you have something that's literally called your tool, like the idea that having a big tool isn't preferable to having a, a medium-sized tool. I, I don't think every bloke's ever going to fully buy that. They will accept the value of their medium tool, but they will always realise that, that a big one, you know, is, is preferable. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it is a weird thing. It is something that I, mean, I, I sort of feel, like having done, having now done a book about balls as well, I sort of feel I should write a handbook of, of the whole male genitalia because <laughs> men, yeah. still, men still don't get it and men still worry about this stuff. You sort of feel just... Like one succinct book that will tell you how to look after it and <laughs> and what's normal yeah. would be good. Uh, I'd, uh, having done so many euphemisms for penis in my time, you came up with one that I hadn't heard talking about saying, uh, I think it was this, uh, not looking like a strawberry on a bird's nest. Was that, was that, was that what it was? A strawberry on, in, on a bird's nest for a small Yeah, I think that, penis. I think. That's a lovely image. Well, we, I mean, look, there's certain weather that can create that in a lot, in a lot of men, there's certain temperatures we we can dip. I mean, it is weird as well about penises. It's just, just the, the sort of like, I mean, obviously when penises are fully erect, they, they're roughly the same size, but, but there are, there's sort of resting state can vary wildly. It's very strange. I mean, it must be weird for women when they just look, look around and it's all wrinkled. And so, well, what happened? Are you scared? Are you scared? Is it cold? Are you on amphetamines? And so like, where has it gone? Where has it gone? Um, I, I find that I find that really odd. I guess I guess some aren't like that. Maybe you'll you'll be the guy. Tell me, some are, are less weather sensitive uh, than others. But certainly, a warm day all, is good. Yeah, they all do vary. Well, you know, I think so. From again, I haven't. Uh, as you say, most men have, might have seen them, but they haven't. They haven't really observed them on a on a on a certainly a hard level. But you don't see them necessarily. You don't kind of check at your friends against different things. But yeah, I think it. They do because you know, but it's the, it, the genitals and the balls are so magical, and, and the way they operate, and they'll retract. Balls will retract into your body a bit when you're afraid, mm. as a, as a meager attempt to protect themselves, given how unprotected <laughs> they are. <laughs> and yeah, and, and I guess the, the penis is also revealing all sorts of things. I think as well as you get older, it's sort of you're sort of aware that this is just. I can't imagine. You know, it's already at fifty six. Occasionally, I look at it and. You know, you bat it around a bit and nothing's happened. You think, you know, in 10 years, this thing's not going to work at all. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, and it just becomes this weird flap of skin sort of hanging there, That this cold flap of skin that's detached from you now. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I say is that, that men that have been particular, particularly well hung is there will come a point where they can't take that sports car out for a drive. And that is... That's the moment that I'm waiting for. It just sits there in the garage, gathering dust, Richards. <laughs> <laughs> you remember, it's it probably like the, run, the running costs are too much, you know, or a petrol beer, what it is. I can't take that out these days. It's, but but it's, yeah, it's it, like it, a crank handle I need now. I need one of the old kind. <laughs> as long as I've got a crank handle, I'll do that for, you know, five, ten minutes, then, it's, then I'm all right still. But. It takes a little while to get the motor running now, I'd have to say. But, I mean, it is funny, isn't it? Like, you and I, we're comics. We do, comics tend to talk boldly about these subjects. But I actually probably haven't discussed our penises with any of my friends in my in my whole life. <laughs> you know, in any detail, any of our fears. I mean, I've got what I call bollock dysmorphia. I just, I find my balls so strange, they freak me out. It's one of the reasons that I don't, I don't test them. Uh, like, I don't, I don't sort of 
what's the, I don't even know the word for it. What is it? <laughs> examine, self-examine. Examine, <laughs> test yeah. my bollocks. <laughs> Just... <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, it, it, it is. It is odd, you know. Maybe we are. We are. I suppose as a general point, as blokes, we're not dialed into our bodies as much as women are, because women have, you know, most women have like a monthly cycle up to a point in their life, and then so their body is continually going. Hey, there's shit happening here, you know. Like, like we can produce milk out of our breasts. We're having, you know, we're ovulating. We're having periods and all this stuff. Whereas mostly with our bodies, and you know, and you'd experience this, is it only really if there's something gone really badly wrong? It will go. Oh, you might have a look at this. But other than that, after puberty, we go a long, long time where we don't we don't really check in with it. And that, that's yeah. um, so maybe all this stuff about going to the doctors, maybe our aversion to putting on sun cream lotion or, or examining our bollocks is just because we're just a bit out of the game. You know, we're not match again. We're just not match fit. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's all interesting stuff, and I have to say, Jeff, the book's very funny, and uh, some of it will make you, you know, make some people go, oh, you know, occasionally I think, oh no, I don't agree with that, but then you would be mm. like, you know, then you, you, you got to have a sense of humour about it, I think, to enjoy this book, and, and oh uh, yeah, yeah, no, there will definitely know, be is, some bits one, where yeah, it's where, where people will. yeah, in one, in one man's, and I do I do try and caveat it at the beginning, but I do know, but about halfway through the book. That there will be people that just have to. It'll, it'll probably cause some arguments. I'll be honest, and it's supposed to be, I guess, for men to sort of feel a bit supported and to feel seen. To use yeah. modern progressive words, and you know, in an ideal way, it will make blokes seem slightly less baffling to women. But I do, I do think that there will be some blokes that will think, you know, that my version of blokiness is a bit nineteen seventies. And you know what? It'll be the other way though. Richard as well, you know, they'll be going, why has he been such a funny about it? You know, stop talking about the emotion. Just get get back to the football. Talk about Peter Crouch again. <laughs> it is. Uh, but I think it is, as you say, I think, and this is, I think, is important. And I think a, a good thing. Uh, women will enjoy this book as, as much as men, uh, you know, and get and get stuff out of it. I think, I think women should read this book um, because, you know, it, it does at least, you know, it's about, de- you're right, de- decoding is a good word for it because, it helps to at least make sense of why your man might be acting in a certain way about certain mm. things. Uh, I think women understand this pretty well, but I think, so, you know, I think sometimes they don't. I think sometimes they think we're kind of more conniving and evil when we're often just can be mm. incompetent and being stupid uh, and just, you know, just don't know what we're doing. And that can come across as, as being bad. When I think it's just, you know, we're, we're pretty, I think certainly as young men, we're so clueless and so naive and you have to put on that front of being, you know, a man and know what we're doing that I think that could, that is such a confusing signal to send out. Well, I mean, it's women. what, it's why it's why it makes blokes a good subject for comedy because if yeah. you talk about it as the difference between what you aim for and what you end up with, trying to present yourself as a sort of man of the world with a coherent worldview and stuff, and 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 knowing that you're just a sort of little boy scrambling around beneath, that is that's a sort of territory in a way that the book lies in, and it's you know it's, it's I suppose it is a bit like the sort of glacier, uh, the iceberg thing, you know, yeah. The the bloke is very much just the the tip, you know, but he's, yeah. he's trying to go right. What what else is underneath, and and what what a weird shape it is. It's the strawberry on the bird's nest. That's the way I look. It's at the it. strawberry uh, goat. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the bird. I don't know. Um, it, the audio book's great. That's like I actually listened to the audio book, and there's a there's a bit extra stuff at the end of the audio book that isn't that isn't in the book, which is a nice uh, little extra. Um, mm. did you, there's did a blooper you... in there as well, which we which we <laughs> left in. That, that is just a little Easter egg to see if people can find it. Is basically I read one chapter and at the end I said something off mic, which the guy thought was funny, so we've left it in. So oh, really? if people who follow me want to get in touch and have a guess 
Uh, what that is, uh, I'll give them two free tour tickets to uh, the spring leg of uh, Basic Bloke. There was two things that were that were wrong, and I can't remember what they were. There were two. There was a bit where you said the wrong name for someone. I think because uh, I, oh, really? I was listening to the audio book, I didn't make a note of it. Uh, it doesn't. It won't. Uh, and average, but you think average penis lengths are bigger than the stat that I use? Actually, it wasn't that. There was some. There was some factual. There was some fact that was the wrong it was the wrong name or something i'll find it for you eventually oh mate i've got loads of stuff wrong what i mean is i left yeah. in an outtake i mean the, the... okay yeah yeah no i know <laughs> but uh no it's it's such it's such a fun book it's great to listen it's great to have you read it i mean i think it makes more sense even more sense when it's read out by you you can you know i think that's the great thing about having a comedian write a book is the audio books usually a, a fantastic way to to enjoy it but it's also a terrific book are you um are you a big reader yourself do you, have you are you reading anything else that you'd like to recommend use uh, mate as a former english teacher i'm currently completing around two books a year and that's been the last 10 years it's very sad i mean i just you know i'm just like you know tiktok just looking at looking at clips of DJ drops from a Ashwire in Ibiza when I'm thinking, I could be fucking reading. I could be getting smarter. So sad. sadly not, sadly no. not, but, but self, self-flagellating for that. Uh, okay, you know, that's good. As well. Well, that's why I, partly why I started doing this book club because I was reading so little and I do like it and I really like audio books now. And like with audio books, you know, if you're walking the dog or, you know, and you're not being attacked by a dog or if you're driving somewhere, audio books are a great way to get through like a lot of stuff. One point you can listen on one. I listened to you one one and a half times, and that, and that could, it still was fine. But it's, then it's I would really... have sounded more like a geezer than a bloke. I'd be oh, so <laughs> chat one, yeah, right. So the thing is about like it's a totally different proposition. <laughs> it's weird when you do that, and then like some. Well, I now can listen on my watch, but my watch doesn't do it at one and a half times. So suddenly you'll get like a chapter at normal speed, and it sounds yeah. so slow. And the voice sounds so different. But, yeah, you can get through a lot of stuff. That's what I'm saying. You can get through, uh, like, okay. easily a couple of books a week with audio books. But I do like reading as well, you know, and I think that there's there's something different about sitting down and actually reading. reading yeah, they, they did a great job on the design for this. There's some really Lovely. nice icons and imagery. And it just it is incredible that, that how much it, it, it adds to it. So I suppose what, what are you hoping away is that people buy, buy the, the physical book and then use their what audible credit or something, yeah. you know, like on, on my book, and just you know, you know, like when you saw you read Harry Potter and then you watched. Obviously, I would do that's fucking nerd stuff, but you know, people did do that once upon a time. Uh, you could do the same thing with the audio book, um, but yeah, look, I mean, we just we just had the first week of sales in. It's so weird, isn't it, Richard? But you don't know what represents a good number. You literally no. just go. They say a number, they go, "That's good," and you go, "Okay." It didn't sound good, but that apparently that is good. So let's hope it carries well, well on. Done. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to sell many to get in those top 10 lists. I've never been in them with any of mine. I've never made any royalties from any of my books. So God knows God knows yeah. what's good and what's bad. I don't know. Funny, my son yesterday said to me, because you talk about the, the, the very end, you're talking about you're crying in front of your kids. Uh, my son actually asked me yesterday, do grown-ups cry? And I had to have a I had to com- have a conversation about him whether grown ups cry. So I obviously don't cry in front of him. He didn't quite believe mm. that grown ups actually cried. Well, yeah, I mean, I just sit him down and you know, being a responsible son, I'll say, yeah, son, but alone and in a soundproof room. Okay, sleep well. <laughs> <laughs> I always love to talk to you, Jeff. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks as always, Thank to Chris Evans and Ben Evans as well for all the hard work they do behind the scenes. We'll be back with more very soon. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And um, would love to see you on the, on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye.